0: grace and peace to you on this Lord's Day. Welcome to worship at Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church. Welcome to those of you who are here in our sanctuary sanctuary, and also those of you who are joining us on our live stream broadcast. Um, A few announcements to share with you. Um, First of all, it's hard to believe, but Advent is just three Sundays away. And one of the much treasured traditions here at Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church is the lighting of the Advent candles on the wreath um, by individuals and families who are a part of our congregation. And uh, so we have that opportunity for you to do that. We don't actually have anybody signed up for the first Sunday of Advent. So uh, we hope we'll get somebody to uh, volunteer for that. We have a sign-up genius on our website and also you can uh, click on that link in our e news. And so we invite you to do that um, for the first Sunday of Advent and all the other Sundays of Advent as well as Christmas Eve. The deadline is November the 14th to do that, November 15th. Also, our Thanksgiving service will be a pre recorded virtual service that you can share with your family and friends throughout the week of Thanksgiving. And we need your help in creating that. Um, If you would take some time to think about those things for which you are thankful during this past year, and then pick up your phone or your tablet and record about a 15-second video, and then send that to Logan Prohaska, our Director of Communications, by November the 14th, a week from today. Uh, Today in our worship service, we are beginning Kids' Praise. This is a worship program for the children of our congregation, grades K through two. And um, so after the uh, time with the children, which uh, will be led by Dan Wired, our director of Christian education, um, you are invited to go with those leaders of Kids Praise and your children can be picked up uh, after the worship service in Grace Hall. We have a new member class that starts this afternoon It will be this afternoon and also next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock via Zoom. So if you have been worshiping with us and you feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit to bring you more fully into the life of Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church, we hope you'll be there. Um, There's a registration link on our website, and you can also speak with Bart or with me, and we'll um, make that possible for you to come and join us this afternoon at 4 And um, I would like to now invite Brittany Greer, the president of Presbyterian Women, to come forward to share some information with you about the thank offering.
1: Like Lib said, I'm Brittany Greer. I'm the moderator for Presbyterian Women, or PW, here at our church. And today is the day of our annual thank offering. The thank offering is a long standing tradition in PW as a tangible way to express gratitude and give thanks to our Lord for the special blessings in our lives. It is not just for PW or for women, but it's for our church as a whole. Through this offering, over the past 33 years, the National PW Organization has awarded nearly $27 million in grants to more than 1,600 different projects in the U.S. and across the world. While many deserving organizations across the world have been awarded funds this year, I wanted to share just a couple examples of how your contributions impact some communities a little bit closer to home. A grant has been awarded to the Cancer Association of Anderson in Anderson, South Carolina, to purchase a car to help cancer patients get to and from treatment appointments. Another grant was awarded to Cooperative Christian Ministries in Concord, North Carolina, to support their Food Desert Outreach Program, delivering food to families who lack transportation and reside in high-need areas. And also in North Carolina, the THINK offering funds will support the Nature Preschool in Banner Elk, where quality and affordable childcare is in high demand for residents in this rural community. The Nature Preschool offers young ones transformational experiences of education, Outdoor recreation and spiritual refreshment. On behalf of PW, I invite all of you to prayerfully consider making a contribution to this important offering. You should find thank offering envelopes in your pews. It should be blue like this. Um, or you can just write thank offering in the memo line of a check. You can also give online through Realm. Um, when you go to give online from the drop-down menu for the fund, you can select the 2021 PW Thank Offering. Your contribution is an impactful, meaningful way to show thanks and support the mission of PW. For more information on the THINK offering recipients, um, beyond the ones that I share, there are many more, you can visit presbyterianwomen.org slash Thank you.
0: It is our honor and a privilege for me to welcome Tom Long as our guest preacher today. Tom is the Bandy Professor of Homiletics Emeritus at Candler School of Theology at Emory. And um, before he went to Emory, he taught preaching at Erskine, at Columbia, and at Princeton seminaries. He's the author of many, many, many books, and uh, he is currently working on a commentary on the parables. And uh we are really really honored and delighted to welcome you. I invite you to stand for our call to worship. Let every tongue confess the good news. Jesus Christ is Lord. Glory Glory to God. Let our words and thoughts be acceptable to God. The Lord is our rock and our redeemer. Having sung our praises to God, let us now confess those things that we have said or done or left unsaid and left undone that have separated us from God and from one another. First, let us pray together and then silently. God of resurrection power, you have called us to be your people, a community living by faith in you and obedience to you. Yet we tend toward trusting in our own power and in our ability to control the future. Forgive us, we pray. Open our lives to your Holy Spirit who enables us to turn again and again toward the freedom and hope that you offer. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. these are prayers, O God. Amen. Friends, the river of God's mercy runs deep and wide, for as the psalmist writes, God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west, as far as the heavens are above the earth. Beloved in Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
2: Each time we come to the waters of baptism, we remember the words of Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always till the end of the age. In the water of baptism, God claims us and seals us as God's own, uniting us with Jesus Christ and making us members of his body. As we approach this font, be assured that the promises of God are for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord God calls.
3: On behalf of the session, I present Rafael Andres Garcia, child of Alexandra and Leonardo Garcia, to receive the sacrament of baptism.
2: Alexander and Leo, I have uh, questions for you as a tradition of the church to ask parents bringing their child to be baptized, these questions. So do you desire that this child be baptized, do you? Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith and to teach that faith to your child, do you? Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world, do you? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his grace and love? Do you? And will you, with God's help, be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his
3: word and showing his love? Will you? Do we, the people of Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church, on behalf of the whole church, promise to tell the good news of the gospel, to help Raphael know all that Christ commands, and by our fellowship, to strengthen his family ties with the household of God? And do we promise to support his parents as they seek to raise their child in the Christian faith? We do. Let us pray.
2: We thank you, O God, for these waters of baptism. In this water, the old life is washed away and a new life begins. In this water, we are clothed with your righteousness. In this water, we become your children. Send your spirit once again to move over this water that it may be a fountain of deliverance and rebirth. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon this child that Raphael may have power to do your will and continue forever in the risen life of Christ. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God be all praise, honor, and glory now and forever. Amen. So what is this child's Christian name? Raphael Andres. All right, Raphael Andres. Child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And may the blessings of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Spirit be with you this day and always. Amen. So, Raphael has been received into the one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church through these waters. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he is a member of the household of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most gracious and loving God, help us remember our baptismal promises we have made to Raphael and ourselves. To be strong and faithful servants. To be a light in the darkness for others to follow. To worship you in all that we do. Amen. So now, after getting that water on your head, we're going to sing you a song. Let us sing.
3: If children who'd like to come up, I have a special message for you. Poppy, you can come up. Poppy, come on over here. There you go. All right. Good morning. How is everybody? Yeah? Are you all awake? Yeah? Did you enjoy the extra hour of sleep? Wasn't that awesome last night? Yeah, it was pretty cool. So last week, last week was All Saints Day in the church. And it was a day that we remembered and recognized special people in our congregation. And those people touched a lot of people's lives. Now, one of the great things about being part of a church is that we get a larger family. A larger family. These are people who tell us, help us learn more about God, And help us to know and understand God better. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Some of those people you might see on Sunday mornings. Some of them you might see during the week. And even outside of church. Now here's a question. Is it easy to know, to always know, the things that God wants us to do? You think it's easy to know, always know the things God wants us to do? No. Why do you think it's hard? Because what? He can't tell us. He can't tell us. Yeah. That could be pretty hard. He can't, yeah. I mean, God can't. It's not like a parent coming right up to you and saying, You need to do this. Another question. Is it easy to live every day the way God wants us to? No. No, it's pretty hard, isn't it? It's hard. I mean, even just driving here to church, sometimes a car pulls out in front of me and it's like, Oh no, um, it's hard sometimes to, to always live like God wants us to. But the good thing is we don't have to do it by ourselves. Did you know that we don't have to do it by ourselves? Everybody, stand up. I want you to come on over here. Let's see. I don't know if I want to take everybody up there or not. I'm sorry. Everybody, come over here. There's prayer. Okay, come on. Come on. follow me. Follow me. All right, all right, <clears throat> come on up here, come on up, and you can spread all the way out over to here, come on over here, Poppy, all the way over, right there, come on up, come on up, you think you're going to sing, don't you, you're not, <laughs> congregation would love that though, I'm sure, yeah, Bar, you got some of them over there? Okay, so what I'm going to do, boys and girls, and congregation, you know, we are not alone. Boys and girls, if you look out there, see all those people, and look behind you, see these people here, guess what? They are part of our church family. And congregation, these children are part of your church family, too. And just like you saw the baptism this morning, and guess what? All of these people made the same promise to you. They said that they promised to you, they promised to God, that they're going to teach you about God's love. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You're never alone. So to help them know you, we're just going to go straight down the line, and I'm going to get down here. I'm going to hold the microphone up, and I want you to say your first name, and I want you to say how old you are. All right, congregation, you need to listen up. All right, ready? Um, I don't know. First name? I don't know. Poppy. And how old? Five. Five. Weller. How old? Eight. Lauren, and I'm eight. Grace,
4: and I'm seven. Adeline, and I'm five. Perry, and I am 4 Jordan and I'm five. Nope. Sebastian, four years old.
3: <laughs>
4: I'm Lucille, precious All
3: right, Lucille. Caroline and I'm four and a half.
4: Finley and I'm six. Paxton and I am eight. Mark and I am seven. Sally and I'm five. Henry and three and a half. Lucy and I'm seven. Samuel and I'm eight. Not nine.
3: Nine. <laughs> 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 he just turned over today.
4: <laughs> Isla Gray and I'm ten.
5: Ramsey and I'm nine. Haywood and I'm seven. Landon and I'm
4: five.
3: Wait, wait. You want to tell them who?
4: She's Fielding and she's three. I'm bros and I'm four. Elsie and I'm six.
3: Six, wow. Well, boys and girls, these are your church family, and that's pretty exciting. They are the ones that will tell you about God. So when you see them in congregation, they look to you to see God boys and girls, when they look at you, you know what they see? They see an amazing, beautiful creation that God has made. And you've blessed our congregation by being here. That's pretty special. So let's say a prayer together. Boys and girls, you join me in congregation, feel free to join in. All right? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus. thank you for our church family. And the promise people made to teach us about you, help us to be more like you, so people see you in all we do. We love you. Amen. Now, boys and girls, before you leave, if you are in kindergarten through second grade, you can come over here to the door, and we're going to go to Praise Kids, Children's Worship. Everybody else, you can go back to your seats and be careful. Come on down the steps.
5: Please bow your heads for the prayer of illumination. Gracious God, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Psalm 91, verses 1 through 6, and 4 through 16. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler, You will not fear the terror of the night, or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. Those who love me I will deliver, I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them, I will be with them in trouble, I will rescue them and honor them, with long life I will satisfy them and show them my salvation the word of the lord
4: be to God.
6: well greetings to all of you it's been a number of years now since i had the pleasure of being at worship at mount pleasant presbyterian church it's good to be back and uh, thank you for the invitation lib and And to all of you. Jesus' favorite method of teaching was in parables. He didn't invent parables. Uh, As a Jewish teacher, he inherited that form from the Jewish teachers that had gone before him. But he brought the parable to a white, hot intensity. Uh, One of the students of parables, John Dominic Crossan, said, Jesus was not crucified because he spoke in parables. He was crucified because he believed parables. He saw the world through parables. And it caused him to live in ways that put him at cross purposes with the powers that be. In the 16th chapter of Luke, there is one of Jesus' most provocative parables. Listen to this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died. I'm in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, oh, my child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he's comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you, send him to my father's house. I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, there we have it, Jesus' famous parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, uh, let me begin by admitting that I don't think it's going to be easy to figure out exactly what Jesus wants us to get from this parable, or any of the parables, really. I mean, the, the word parable is a notoriously difficult word to define. It means a lot of things. But one of the best definitions of a biblical parable is riddle. Parables are riddles. There's some puzzle to be solved, some mystery to be plumbed. And the thing about Jesus' parables, right when we think, "Ah, I've got it, we don't. And a trap door opens, and we fall down to an even deeper level of mystery. Uh, By the way, I think insufficient attention is given to the fact that we serve a Lord whose favorite method of teaching was not principle, law, clear idea, but riddle. Uh, The writer of the Gospel of Mark exaggerates a little, but not too much when he says, wow, he never said anything except in riddles. He never said anything except in parables. The humorist Calvin Trillin once said that he failed high school math because his teacher never understood that he meant his answers ironically. (laughs) Well, so did Jesus, evidently, because he never said anything except in riddles. A wonderful New Testament scholar by the name of C.H. Dodd came up with a wonderful definition of a parable. He said a parable is a metaphor or simile drawn from everyday life the meaning of which is sufficiently in doubt to tease the imagination into thought. <laughs> Did you catch that? The meaning of which is sufficiently in doubt to tease the imagination into thought. Even in the weird world of parables, the one that we read this morning is particularly odd. Uh, sometimes people will say that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Have you heard that? A parables parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Well, not this one. Most of the action of this parable takes place not in this world, but the next world. In fact, you might say instead of being an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, this one's a heavenly story with a, or maybe it's a hellish story with an earthly meaning. Much of the dialogue comes from the bowels of Hades. What happens in our riddle is there is this rich man, we don't know his name, but we know how he lives. He wears designer clothing and he eats sumptuously every day. Right at his gate, right on his porch, right at his front door, There is a desperately poor beggar by the name of Lazarus, so hungry he would love to have pawed through the hefty garbage bags that go out the back door of the mansion every day. But no, there's no indication the rich man ever saw him, ever noticed him, ever paid him any mind. They live only a few feet apart. they're in different worlds and then as is so often the case in Jesus riddles there is a sudden reversal of fortune the poor man Lazarus dies and according to Jesus the angels come and they take him into the bosom of Abraham that's an old Jewish phrase meaning right into the heart of God right into the heart of God's family The rich man also dies, but he heads in the other direction. He ends up in the legendary Jewish underworld, the land of the dead, Sheol, Hades, and in torment there, he looks up across the edges of eternity, and what does he see? That beggar Lazarus in the bosom of Father Abraham, and he calls out, Father Abraham, please have mercy on me. I'm in agony here. Send Lazarus with some water to cool my tongue. But Father Abraham says, Oh, my child, no. You've had your good things in life. And what is more, a great chasm has been fixed between us. You can't come to us now. And those of us who would love to come to you, we cannot. It's too late. It's too late. It's too late. Well, what do you think Jesus wants us to get out of that riddle? Well, a good many New Testament scholars agree that this story fits beautifully into a major theme, a major motif in the Gospel of Luke, namely, that in the age-old struggle between the rich and the poor, the haves and the have-nots, God is not neutral. God stands on the side of the poor. They they have no one else to stand with them, and God stands with the poor. It's true, if we read the Gospel of Luke with an open mind and an open heart, we will find more material in Luke about God lifting up the poor and hungry, about what we might call economic justice, than almost anywhere else in the Bible. In fact, so strong is that theme, you get the impression that every time Luke uses the word rich, he snorts. Rich, well, uh, right at the beginning of Luke's gospel, the angel Gabriel visits the little peasant girl Mary and says to her, good news, O favored one, you're going to be the mother of Jesus, the Messiah, the savior of the world. And after a moment of fear, she breaks into song, beautiful song. We call it the Magnificat. The choir may sing it at Christmas time. But if you look at it, it's not a gentle mother's lullaby, it's more like a political protest song. Because what she sings is, My soul magnifies the Lord. Why? Because God has brought the mighty and the powerful down from their thrones. And lifted up the weak and the lowly. The hungry, she sings, God is filled up with good things. And the rich, God is sent empty away. Right, right before Jesus tells our riddle, he has an argument with the local clergy. He says to them, uh, you want to know what's wrong with you ministers? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with you ministers. You're trying to serve two gods. That's what's wrong with you. You're trying to serve God and money, God and prosperity, God and mammon. Well, you can't do it. They are rival gods. They both want your soul. So what's it going to be? God or money? Maybe, just maybe, our story is the tragic tale of a rich man who made the wrong choice. If that's what Jesus is trying to teach us, uh, then I must tell you there is something about that that leaves me very satisfied. Uh, You've read the same stories I have in the paper over the last few years about those big pharmaceutical companies that have been manufacturing opioids, and they don't care about us. They care about the bottom line, and so they've been foisting billions of these pills on us. They don't care whose life gets ruined, whose family gets torn asunder, whose community gets destroyed. It's just the money, and it makes my blood boil. Or maybe several years ago, you read the same news story I did about the professional basketball player in Philadelphia who owed thousands and thousands of dollars to the city for unpaid parking fines because he parks his luxury cars wherever he wants to. One of the tickets was for parking his Rolls Royce at Philadelphia Airport for two weeks in a handicapped spot. And if what Jesus is telling us is that greedy, self-centered people like that will one day stand before the bar of God's justice and hear God say to them, All right, buster, you have had all the good things in life you are ever going to have. There's something in me that says, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) There are only two things that keep me from stopping there. The first is the chill of recognition. Look, I don't think of myself as a rich man. I don't. I'm not Bill Gates. I'm not Jeff Bezos. Uh, I have been all of my life a preacher and a teacher, and believe me, I have been paid accordingly. I don't think of myself as a rich man. But if you pull the camera back and look at me in relationship to the population of the earth, I'm pretty much at the top of the pyramid. To put it in terms of our riddle, I have a closet full of nice clothes, and I've never had a day in my life when I worried about being hungry. Whatever this has to say to the rich, It has to say to me. The other thing that keeps me from stopping there is that Luke doesn't stop there. Jesus doesn't stop there. No sooner has Jesus told this riddle about the rich man and Lazarus than he gets on the road to the cross. And it soon carries him through the town of Jericho where he encounters an honest-to-goodness rich man. His name is Zacchaeus, and he is described by Frederick Beekner as muscle for the Roman IRS. But Luke says of him, he was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. But he wanted to see Jesus. So he climbed up into a sycamore tree, knowing Jesus would pass by. And sure enough, Jesus did pass by, and when he did, he looked up that sycamore tree, and he saw Zacchaeus. And he did not say to him, All right, Buster, you've had all the good things in life you're ever going to have. No, what he said to him was, Come on down, Zacchaeus, I'm staying at your house today. <laughs> and before that day it was over, Zacchaeus was jumping for joy and justice, and Jesus was saying, Today, salvation has come even to this man, because he too is in the bosom of Abraham. Chunk. That was the sound of the trap door opening. What is our riddle about? Is it about wealth and poverty? Yes, it is. But it's about something that's underneath that, that's even deeper. I think the key to it is in what Father Abraham said to the rich man in Hades. You remember what he said? He said, oh, my child. That's not the voice of an angry judge. That's the voice of a heartbroken parent. I I think what's going on here is what might be called The penultimate theology of the gospel, the next-to-last theology of the gospel. The ultimate theology of the gospel is that it is never too late. The mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting. The prodigal daughter, the prodigal son, can always come home. There's a candle in the window. The table banquet of grace is always waiting. It's never too late. But that would be cheap grace if it were not for the next-to-last theology of the gospel, which is there are moments in our lives when God opens a window of blessing and invites us to become a part of what God is doing in the world. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. And then the window closes, and it's too late. And these moments... Count. There was a novel by the Pulitzer Prize-winning writer Tracy Kidder called Old Friends. It was based on life in a New England nursing home. And Tracy Kidder spent a, a year living in a Boston nursing home doing research for this work. And he said in the book, uh, there are plenty of people in this nursing home who are plagued by the loss of memory. There is one man here is tormented by the inability to lose memory his name is art he has just lost his wife of 63 years and he's tormented by memories of failure in their marriage he remembers when they were newlyweds and she accidentally dropped the frying pan one morning and he cursed her if i could just have her back she could drop a hundred frying pans i wouldn't say a thing He remembers an argument that went on all 63 years of their marriage. She wanted him to tell her more that he loved her. No, no, I don't like to talk about it. Uh, I I just like to show it. Well, I know, sweetheart, but sometimes I need to hear it. No, no, that ain't my way. I, I don't like to talk about it. The last week of her life, she went into a coma. He sat beside her bed saying over and over, I love you. I love you. She never said anything back. She she never forgave me. The moment she died, uh he was in their room watching television. <laughs> the Red Sox are losing again. I would have liked it, he said, if she had died in my arms. There's some of us here this morning that understand this very personally. I can't believe that when I was a young father, I cannot believe that when I was a young father, I actually got on that airplane and flew somewhere to give a speech to people who no longer remember me or what I said. Instead of going to the father-daughter campfire girl banquet that my little girl Melanie was begging me to go to with her, can't believe I did that. Now that I'm much older and maybe a little wiser, I know I made the wrong choice. I'm now ready to go to the father-daughter campfire girl banquet, <laughs> to which my daughter, Melanie, would say, oh, daddy, it's too late. I'm not that little girl anymore who needed her father so desperately that night. You missed it. I think when Jesus was a boy, he heard a lot of sermons like this because it was a favorite theme of the old rabbi preachers in the synagogue. They liked liked to talk about how God would open up moments in life that could be full of blessing for others and for us and invite us to be a, a part of it by living in righteousness and caring for others. And some people did and some people didn't, and then those windows would close and it would be too late. They even had their favorite sermon illustrations. They were called Eliezer of Damascus stories. <laughs> Who's Eliezer of Damascus? He's an obscure biblical character that's mentioned only once by name in the book of Genesis. He was Abraham's cousin and right-hand man, Eliezer of Damascus. But the rabbis made up stories about him. Uh, they were When God wanted to bless the earth, he would say to Father Abraham, Abraham, I want you to send your servant, Eliezer of Damascus, to earth as a blessing. And Eliezer would come, sent by Abraham. But he would always come incognito, in disguise. He would be the goatherd, or the tailor, or the guy next to you on the Delta flight. You have to keep your eyes open if you're going to see Eliezer. By the way, if you translate the Hebrew name Eliezer into Greek... It's Lazarus, the blessing of God, disguised as a homeless beggar on the front steps of the rich man. The rich man needed Lazarus in terms of the things of God a whole lot more than Lazarus needed the rich man. But he missed it. He missed it. Why did he miss it? Same reason we do. He was too rich, too self-sufficient, too turned in on himself, too numb to the possibility that God might at this very moment be trying to break through the crust in his life with a blessing. And he missed it. A friend of mine was watching television with her teenage son the other night. She was folding her laundry. They were watching something stupid on TV. In the middle of it, uh, he said something a little smart, and it didn't sit well with her, and so she scolded him gently. Uh, He didn't like being scolded even gently, and so he said something really smart to her, and that got off with her, and she scolded him firmly, and that angered him, and he brought his fist down on the coffee table, and then jumped up and ran upstairs and slammed the door. And she thought to herself, well, you can just stew in your juices. But then something happened. And she realized that the most important thing in the world at that moment was reconciling with her son and making peace. So she put down her laundry And she put down her pride, and she went upstairs, and she made peace. Don't miss it. Don't miss it.
0: Friends, a couple of weeks ago, we enjoyed the gathering where we came together and gave thanks to God for our many, many blessings. And a part of that day was returning our estimate of giving cards. Many of those have come in and they will enable the work of Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church to be done in this community and around the world in the name of Jesus the Christ. If you haven't yet returned your estimate of giving card, we invite you to do that. You can make that uh, estimate online. Um, many of you also may be receiving a letter this week um, as, with, as an invitation as well. Um, we are very grateful for those commitments and also for your gifts today. The gifts can be made in the baskets that are here and also um, at uh, the rear door or the front door, whichever you want to call it, um, as uh, you leave today. And also gifts can always be made online. Let us pray. We rejoice with thanksgiving for all that we have received. Multiply the gifts that we give so that the world may more deeply know fullness of life in you. Amen.
2: My friends, let us just take a moment and remember Jesus the Christ, our Lord and Savior, who in a day of celebration, the Passover, called his friends to surround him at a table. These were people he loved very much, people that he had traveled with down dusty roads, people he had laughed with and cried with, people who had seen him perform miracles, They were his friends. Yet one of them had already betrayed him. One would deny even knowing him, not once, not twice, but three times. And the rest, well, they would just run away. They would scatter to the wind in fear. Not a single one of them really understood that night what was going to happen at that table. But Jesus knew, he understood, he knew what was to come, and still he took bread and blessed it and broke it and fed them. And still he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant, drink of it and do this in remembrance of me. So my friends, come to this table A table prepared for all, a table prepared for us who have betrayed, who have denied, and who have run from responsibility and relationships in fear. For this table is for us, the people of God, the broken and the needy, the undeserving. It's never too late to come to this bountiful feast Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Let us pray. Loving God, creator of energy and matter, creator of heaven and earth, when there was nothing, you created all that is. In due time, you formed us in your image, setting us in the world to love and serve you but we rebelled and when we felt the sting of the lash you set, you liberated us when we were lost and our souls were faint you led us home through the prophets and apostles when the time was right you sent your son to embody your promises to save us we are grateful for Jesus the Christ who teaches and heals us and becomes the way for us through his dying and rising that we die through him and rise through him Into a new heaven and a new earth. We are grateful that on this night before he died, he took bread and, having given thanks for it, broke it and shared it with his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. We are grateful that after the meal was ended, he took the cup and passed it to them, as it will soon be distributed with us, and said, Take this cup and drink from it, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant, my life. Pour it out for you. Now, when you eat and drink of this, remember me. So we remember Jesus as we share this meal as one in the Spirit. Gracious God, bless these simple gifts of the earth, this bread and this cup, that they may become for us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ's presence with us, transforming us into the body of Christ in the world. May this meal inspire and strengthen us to love you, love each other, and love this world until Christ comes again and brings all things to their fulfillment. All glory and honor are yours, Holy One, through Christ in, one, in the Spirit, now and always. Amen. So it was on that night that of Jesus arrested, He took bread, he gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it. And gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. My friends, every time we eat this bread or drink from this cup, we proclaim the saving grace of our risen Lord until he comes again. This is a gift, a gift from God for the people of God. So hopefully you've received your your sacrament. You go ahead and take that as you can. Take your bread and your cup. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.